Well, good morning once again. Welcome again today. If, uh, if you're a guest with us, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's, it's good to be together again today. You know, I appreciate some of what Heidi said just a little bit ago. We, we come together to worship through, through song, through scripture, through prayer, through all that we do in this place. So much of that is just to remember, to remember what we know. You know, as a, as a pastor, I, I sometimes get a unique glimpse in the lives of different people. And I just want you to know today that God is present and God is with us and God is working. Sometimes we get caught up in the midst of life and we don't always see that. But that's one of the reasons we come is to remember some of what God is doing. And God works in, in ways so much bigger than who we are. Or, or what we do. And we just want to join in and be a part of some of what God is doing. I was reminded earlier today of, uh, of a quote I learned in a class a long, long time ago. A theologian by the name of Emil Bruner said, the church exists by mission just as fire exists by burning. You know, you don't have a fire without something burning and you don't have a church without mission. Mission isn't so much what we do for God as much as what we do with God. Because God is the one who first reached out to us. God is the one who has come to us. And we just get a chance to partner with what God is doing in the world around us. You know, and we're, we're a congregation that really believes that mission is twofold. Mission is something that each one of us are called to do personally and collectively here in our community. Like we, we don't believe that God has us where God has us here by accident. We believe that God has called each one of us to be faithful witnesses of the love and grace of God right where we are, right? But we also believe that what God is doing is a whole lot bigger than what God is doing through our local congregation. So we also want to partner with what God is doing. I share all of that with you for, for two reasons today. First of all, two weeks from today, we're going to have some missionaries with us in service. The, the Karams, Rhonda and Errol Karam, are going to be sharing with us in service that day. But we also have a, a unique opportunity with, with the Karams. We're inviting them to, to share with us on that Saturday as well. Uh, I think I'm going to get this right, but Errol is a, a certified life coach. Is that, am I getting that right, Barb? He's certified in a whole lot of stuff. But he's actually, he's going to be doing a, a workshop with us Saturday for those, for those who are able to come, really about how to have conversations. You know, in, in a climate when people often talk past each other rather than to each other, it's just such an important topic for us. So I invite you, if you're able to, to be a part of that. We have information in your bulletin on that. I just wanted to call attention to that. There's a lot of other things in your bulletin, so please take a look at that. I also just wanted to remind you, for those of you who are here today, you had to have noticed on your way in that our, our foyer looks a little different than it normally does. Following service today, we're going to have our, our ministry fair. It's been a couple of years since we've done this. It's so good to, to be able to do this again. I just wanted to share some of how you're going to be able to participate in this as a congregation today. For those of you who are with us in person, on your way out today, you'll get a, a little kind of booklet 
that has information on a number of our different ministries. Most of these that are listed here, you'll find a place out in the foyer. And you will find somebody out there that you can talk with and find out more information. In the front cover, there are also two cards. And this is really important. There's going to be a test later on. Not really. Just making sure you're still listening. There's two cards here. One card says areas of ministry that I can be praying for. And, and I realize that some of you may find yourself here today thinking, you know, I don't have time to be a part of another ministry or I can't do some of the things I used to do. So this is for everybody else. Well, today is for all of us. And all of us can be praying for what God is doing on our church, right? You with me there? So if nothing else, I want you to take this card and at least stop at, at three or four different places and just say, hey, so what, what are you doing here? How can I be praying for you in your ministry? Can you do that? Yeah? I said there's a test. How many of you can do that? Some of you aren't passing this test. There's a second card. As you go around and find out about some of the ministries that are happening in, in our church. You know, there's only going to be so much opportunity you have for conversation. And if there's an area where you're like, you know, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to, a little bit, like to know a little bit more about that particular ministry. And maybe some of, maybe just to know more, but maybe even ways that I might be able to be involved. We have a second card in here where you can put your name and how you would prefer for us to contact you, whether that's phone or email. And, and list any ministries that you would like to know a little bit more about. And we'll make sure somebody gets in contact with you. Does that sound good? Yeah? Now, for those of you who are joining online, I do not have online cards for you. <laughs> but if you would like one of these uh, booklets, if you just send us a message at info at we will send one of these to you. But also, for those of you who are online, Right around the time our service gets done, there's an online ministry fair video that will be available on our Facebook page. And you can also go to our Vimeo channel. Some of you had no clue we have a Vimeo channel, right? If you go through our, our church's website and click on the midweek videos link, you can also find the online ministry video there. You know, for those who, who are joining us online, you are a part of this church. And even if you're not able to be with us in person, you can still make a difference and be a part of what God is doing. You guys with me there? Amen? Amen? So we're, we're together on this. You know, really, we want to serve God. We want to find ways that, that we can, can love others because God has loved us. We want to love others in our congregation, and we want to love others beyond our congregation. That's a big part of who we are and what we do. And we want to find ways that we can connect together because we need one another to, to be the people that God has called us to be. And we need one another to make it through the highs of life and the lows of life and anywhere and everywhere in between. And we also just want to be a people who continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, we've been in a sermon series these last few weeks that we're calling Eyes to See. It's really just this prayer and desire for us to, to have the kinds of eyes that would see the world as God sees the world, that would see others as God sees others, that would live the ways in which God has called us to live. You know, we want to have 
have glasses that, that don't tint our eyes in some other way, but to see as God calls us to see. And that's our desire. So we just come together in this together. I'd invite you to join me today in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6. And we're going to read a few verses starting in verse 17. So if you're able to today, I just invite you to stand as we read God's word this morning. Jesus came down from the mountain with them and stood on a a large area of level ground. A great company of his disciples and a huge crowd of people from all around Judea and Jerusalem and the area around Tyre and Sidon joined him there. They came to hear him and to be healed from their diseases. And those bothered by unclean spirits were healed. The whole crowd wanted to touch him because power was going out from him and he was healing everyone. Jesus raised his eyes to his disciples and said, Happy are you who are poor, because God's kingdom is yours. Happy are you who hunger now, because you will be satisfied. Happy are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Happy are you when people hate you, reject you, insult you, and condemn your name as evil because of the human one. Rejoice when that happens. Leap for joy because you have a great reward in heaven. Their ancestors did the same things to the prophets. But how terrible for you who are rich because you've already received your comfort. How terrible for you who have plenty now because you will be hungry. How terrible for you who laugh now because you will mourn and weep. How terrible for you when all speak well of you. Their ancestors did the same things to the false prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. We say together, thanks be to God. You know, sometimes you get to a place like this and you say, now why did I choose to preach on this passage today? You know, these words sound somewhat familiar to us, but we're probably more used to hearing these words from Matthew's perspective. In Matthew's gospel, the Sermon on the Mount begins with a section that we often refer to as, anybody know? The Beatitudes, right? Blessed are you, right? We're we're used to hearing these words from, from Matthew's perspective. Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Matthew says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Matthew kind of qualifies these things in in a little different manner than Luke does. And Matthew doesn't bother getting into the woes. Matthew just sticks to the good stuff, the blessings. We're used to hearing this from, from Matthew's perspective. So what are we to make of this from how Luke tells us these words of Jesus? You know, I want to just go back for a few moments and remind us some of what has brought us to this place in Luke's gospel. As Jesus' earthly ministry began, Jesus first found himself out in the wilderness. He spent 40 days fasting and in prayer and fellowship with God. It was during this time that Jesus was tempted. Tempted in several different ways. Temptations that, that you can probably say were, were temptations to go by what might have seemed to have been an easier way. 
temptations to follow sort of conventional wisdom or worldly wisdom for what it means to succeed and, and find fulfillment in life. But Jesus didn't give in to those temptations. You know, after this, Jesus began to, to teach and, and to heal, and, and, and pretty quickly he returned to his hometown of Nazareth. He was the hometown hero, come back home, right? And Jesus went to Nazareth, and he preached this message of good news, and there were rave reviews until Jesus started to expand on that message. And pretty soon, the, the celebration turned to threats of violence. Because Jesus had a message of good news, but it wasn't just a message of good news for them. It was a message of good news for everyone. And that was difficult because in their minds, they'd figured out what God's good news should look like. And they were confronted with a perspective that was different from the perspective that they'd created for themselves. Give us eyes to see, right? And so they struggled with this. Well, Jesus leaves Nazareth and he, he goes to other areas in Galilee and these people are receptive to his words and so he, he teaches and he heals in, in these other places. And, and then he comes to, to the Sea of Galilee and he's out teaching on the boat and then he gets done teaching and he has Simon Peter go out a little bit farther and cast their nets and they bring in this great hall. And Simon Peter realizes that Jesus is so much more than he had thought he was. He doesn't really know what to make sense of that yet at this point, but he's so much more than he thought he was. And then if we go, if we go from that place and we kind of read through Luke chapter 5 and the first part of chapter 6, it's, it's sort of like this greatest hits album, right? Like there's, there's all of these things that Jesus is doing. It's just, it's really fast paced. Jesus heals a leper. Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Jesus calls a, a tax collector. Jesus teaches. Jesus heals on the Sabbath, which is pretty controversial and creates some tension amongst people who are there. And then Jesus commissions his 12 disciples. It's just like one thing after another after another. And all of that happens, and then we find Jesus coming down this mountain to a plain. He comes and he gathers here, and he's surrounded, he's surrounded with a great company of his disciples. And all of these other people from, from near and far who've come to hear what Jesus had to say, but, but also really come because they just want to kind of be touched by Jesus. There's this crowd of folks. We don't, know, we don't know how many folks there are. In Matthew's gospel, Matthew tells us there was 5,000, right? Plus women and children. Luke doesn't give us a, a number here, but we know there's a lot. It's a big enough crowd where like in the air, you get that mixture of, of sweat and dust and too much perfume, you know, just kind of all mixing together and people pushing, you know, just because of everything. But most of all, people trying to get close to Jesus, because they knew that if they could just touch Jesus, they'd heard the stories, right? If they could just touch Jesus, things would be different. Those, those who were sick came to him to be healed. Those who had evil spirits came to be set free. And the whole crowd really just wanted to be touched by Jesus. And Luke tells us that Jesus healed all these people. 
But Luke doesn't really get caught up in, in the healings. Luke focuses our attention at this point on what Jesus has to say. And these are the first words in this Sermon on the Plain in Luke's Gospel of what Jesus has to say. This is where he begins, which, which calls our attention to this. And it's, it's easy for us to kind of miss how radical this message would have been. Luke is talking here, and Luke makes it known throughout the Gospel of Luke that Jesus cares for people like the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized and the forgotten. Those people matter to Jesus. The people that society might reject, the people that society might say, well, they're just getting what they deserve. Those people matter to Jesus. And we see that really from the very beginning here as Jesus is teaching, as, as Jesus is, is communicating all of this. And, and really, th- there's a good likelihood that a lot of the crowds who had come to Jesus that day were those people who were forgotten and marginalized by society. The people who needed healing had, had problems. And at that time, their, their very problems would have made them sort of ignored or forgotten or deemed not worthy for some reason. So you can imagine the kinds of hopes and expectations people would have. You know, if I could, if I could touch him, then, then maybe my, my leg would be healed. If my leg would be healed, I could work again. If I could work again, I won't have to be poor any longer. Wouldn't that be great? Or another person said, you know, if I could touch him, this leprosy would be gone. And if this leprosy would be gone, then I won't have to beg for food any longer. If I don't have to beg for food any longer, then I won't be hungry any longer. Won't that be a great thing? You, you, you kind of get it, right? You see what the people very well could have been thinking as they were coming around to Jesus. If I can, if I can just touch him, if I can just be close to him. Did you hear those words that Jesus shared that we read just just a few moments ago? Happy are you who are poor because God's kingdom is yours. But how terrible for you who are already rich because you've already received your comfort. Happy are you who hunger now because you will be satisfied. But how terrible for you who have plenty now because you will be hungry. Happy are you who weep now, because you will laugh, but how terrible for you who laugh now, because you will mourn and weep. And happy are you when people hate you, reject you, insult you, and condemn your name as evil because of the human one. You should rejoice when that happens. Leap for joy, because you have a great reward in heaven, for their ancestors did the same thing to the prophets. But how terrible for you, when everybody speaks well of you, because their ancestors did the very same thing to the false prophets. I mean, what are we supposed to make sense of, of all of these words? Like, what do we do with all of this? Anyone know what to do with this? Why don't we just skip it and move on to something different, right? I suppose I probably shouldn't say that as a pastor. So if we shouldn't skip over this, what, what do we do? What do we do with this section? Let's remember for a moment where we came from a little bit ago. 
Remember when Jesus went to Nazareth and he preached this message, this message of good news for the poor, of release for the captives. This message that was received so well and the crowds ate it up until Jesus said, this message is not just for you, it's for everybody. And then all of a sudden they weren't quite so sure what to do. This wasn't the framework that they'd expected. You know, if we, if we look at another passage to help us think about this one, we realize that in, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray. And when he goes up to this mountain to pray, right before we read these verses, we're told that it was there that Jesus commissioned his 12 disciples. 12 disciples representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what Jesus does right while he's up on the mountain. Then he comes down from the mountain in order to to teach a message or to proclaim a word to, to his disciples and to all the crowds who've gathered that day. You know, this is reminiscent of of some of what we find back in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 24, Moses goes up a mountain to receive a word from God. To receive a word from God about how God's people are to arrange and conduct their lives as the people of God. To receive instruction from God about what their lives were to look like in order to reflect the love and grace of God to everybody. Well, Moses is up on this mountain and then Moses comes down from this mountain to proclaim a message to God's people. Some of you might remember what happened while Moses was up on the mountain. While Moses was up on the mountain, the God's people who were down below thought, you know, God might have led us out of the, he might have led us out of slavery. He might have saved us from Egypt. He might have taken us through the depths of the sea and into this wilderness. And God might have given us water and food. But you know, this God isn't doing things quite the way that we would do things if we were God. So let's build ourselves an idol to represent God for us. So Moses comes down from the mountain to call people back to living the way that God had invited them to live. What does this have to do with with these verses that we we just read here? What what am I getting at here? You know, when I went to pastor my first church out of seminary, it it was just this this little, like, neighborhood church. It was just, it's kind of on a residential area. There was some traffic, but not really busy. And we were kind of a neighborhood church. So like people in the neighborhood knew us. Like I knew all of my neighbors and they, they knew me. And, you know, I got done running one day and I was cooling down and I was walking by the house across the street from, from the church. And this, this, this little boy, his name was Bryce. He was about four. He came outside and he said, you run too much. I said, okay, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you're always running. I said, well, I enjoy running. He said, you know, you need to settle down and get married, and then you won't have to run so much. (laughs) I'm actually not really sure why I told that, because that wasn't where I was going. (laughs) Except for the fact this was a neighborhood church, right? Like, we knew the people, the people knew us. And when I first came to that church, I I heard some stories about the good old days. You You guys know about the good old days, right? I heard stories about the good old days and there was one person in our church saying, you know, this church used to have a reputation in our neighborhood. 
we were known as the Holy Rollers. I don't really know exactly what was meant by that. But there was kind of some pride that the church was no longer known as the Holy Rollers. Sort of the conventional wisdom was they realized that we were just like everybody else. And when I first kind of heard that, I thought, you know what? Like, I'm okay with that. I don't want people to think I'm all that weird. But I've thought about that some more since then. You know, instead of being thought of as something different, the church was now thought of like everybody else. And there's a problem there. The church isn't called to be like everybody else. The church is called to be something different. Not just to be weird for weird's sake, but the church is called to live so much differently. We find that in Exodus, as God is giving the law to Moses, we find that throughout the Gospels, as Jesus is teaching us and inviting us to live not in the ways of the world, but to live in the ways of Christ, to live in the ways that would show and demonstrate the love and grace of God to everyone around us. You know, I find myself thinking about that as I think of this passage. As Jesus sort of shakes things up on us, makes us feel uncomfortable, makes us question, well, what really should we seek after in life? Is it better to be rich or to be poor? Or is it better to be hungry or not hungry? What are we to do with any of this stuff? Jesus kind of catches us off guard here. He, he causes us to, to ask questions. He, he challenges us to say, God, what am I focusing on life? What really matters? Have I put you in a box and, and created you to be about certain things? So that when you actually show up, I reject you because I've put my trust in something other than who you are. You know, I kind of like the way that Luke tells us these blessings and woes because it causes us to ask questions. You know, ultimately, as I do this, I, I find myself thinking of a couple of verses from Psalm 139. Let me read them to you. It says, examine me, God. And look at my heart. Look to see if there is any idolatrous way in me. Do you know what that word idolatry means? Something other than God. Something that we might create on our own and put the label God on. Look to see if there's any idolatrous way in me, then lead me on the eternal path. You know, I don't know about you, but that's my desire. That's my hope. Is that yours today too? Yeah, I'd invite you just to say this with me. Examine me, God. Look at my heart. Put to the test, know my anxious, or put me to the test. Excuse me. Know my anxious thoughts. Look to see if there is any idolatrous way in me. then lead me on the eternal path. God, we humble ourselves before you today. And Lord, our desire 
is to be your people, to know you, to live for you, to reflect you with every part of our being. God, I pray that you would help us not to ever just get comfortable, but to continue to hunger and thirst for more of you, to continue to allow you to shake up our lives so that we can see if there's anywhere where we've gotten our focus off, so that by your love and grace, you can continue to refine us and reform us and renew us. God, we pray that you would help us to live for you so that the world might see you and know you and experience you through us. God, this is our prayer today. In your name, amen.